0: So we welcome you. This is message number what? Five. Five. In our series of 15 messages taking us through the book of 2 Timothy, we've entitled the whole series Life Coach. We are studying some timeless truths from a trusted mentor. The mentor is the Apostle Paul, and he's kind of putting his arm around us because this is what he did to Timothy. Timothy was a younger man, and the Apostle Paul... 2 Timothy is all of the mentoring advice that he leaves with Timothy. Paul is in jail. He's about ready to be executed. This is the last letter that he wrote. And within these four chapters in this amazing book is all of this advice. If you ever wanted to have a mentor, you have one. And his name is the Apostle Paul. Now this morning, this life coach lesson number five can be summarized in four words. And it's this, be strong and strategic. Can you repeat that after me? Be strong and strategic. We're just going to study two verses this morning. And in these two verses are these two critically important priorities. Stories told about a woman and she went into a uh, pet shop and she purchased this very expensive exotic parrot. And she brought this uh, parrot home in the cage that she also purchased and and expecting this parrot to just wow her, and there's like not a peep. So she goes back to the manager, "What's going on?" And and the manager says, "Well, do you have a mirror in the cage?" She goes, "No." So she brings the mirror back. Not a peep. She comes back. What's wrong with my parrot? Well, do you do you have a ladder? She brings the ladder. Not a peep. And then the, comes back another time. Well, you need to have a swing in that cage. And so again, not a peep. Finally the parrot dies. She goes back to the pet shop and she says to the manager, what's going on? I bought this parrot and it literally died on me. And the manager, he said, well, did the bird say anything before it died? And she said, yeah, it did. Well, what did the bird say? The bird said, don't they sell any pet food at that store? (laughs) The moral of the story is this. You can do everything you think you should be doing, but if you're not doing the most important thing or things, guess what? It's still going to end in disaster. And Paul this morning is telling Timothy, Timothy, there's a lot of things you're called to do in life, but there are two things that are so important for your life, and you need to be doing these two things. Two things. Now watch this. If you learn these two priorities, number one, you will have power in your life. And number two, you will have productivity in your ministry. So if you're a person here this morning that wants to have power in your life and productivity in your ministry, and you should want that, guess what? This is your morning. If you fail to learn these two priorities, watch this, you're going to have little power in your life and little productivity in your ministry. Let's read about it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You then, my son, this is a spiritual son, Timothy was to Paul. And we are, for Paul, his spiritual sons and daughters this morning, because he's mentoring us. And he says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable men. Who will also be qualified to teach others? Two life changing priorities. Let's take them one at the a time. Priority number one is this be strong in grace. Now, repeat after me. It is not easy to be a Christian who finishes well. It's not easy to be a Christian who finishes well. In other words, it's not easy to finish the Christian life well. You know, I've been in ministry now 30-plus years, and and many of you have been around the church many years, been around Christians many years. I know of so many Christians who have checked out of the Christian race. I know of so many Christians who have checked out of their Christian marriage. I know so many Christians who have checked out on ministry, in serving Jesus Christ. It is not easy to finish well the Christian life. It's just not. How can we remain faithful? I mean, to the very last breath of our life, serving the Lord. We've got to discover the type of strength that Paul talks about here in verse 1. Look, look what Paul says again. He says, "'You then, my son,' be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. Now, notice what Paul is not saying. He's not saying, you got to be strong as a man. you got to be strong as a woman. you got to be strong as a single parent. You need to be strong even as a Christian. He's saying, you need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, if you want to make it to the end, faithfully serving the Lord. Now, let me ask you a personal question. How do you picture Jesus right now as he thinks about you, as he views you this morning? Is Jesus mad at you? Is he disappointed at you? Do you think that God is perplexed with you? A.W. Tozer said this, and the, it's, the quote is in your outline. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. One day, I'm going to preach an entire series on that statement. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I could prove that if I have the time, and one day I'll preach a series to prove it. But here's the truth. Jesus, watch this. I don't know what you think about God or Jesus, But this is what Jesus thinks about you. He longs to be gracious to you. He longs to give you more and more and more and more grace. Look at Isaiah 30, 18. It's on your notes. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. What does God long for to be gracious to you? What does God rise for? The Bible says He rises to show you compassion. Now you can miss His grace, you can miss His compassion. Because you may think about God in a way that's just not true about God. And that's missing the priority that Paul is trying to mentor you in right now, which is to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, grace is Jesus giving us, watch this, what we don't deserve. Do you know that there's a God that loves you that wants to give you what you don't deserve? That is one of the the premier attributes of God is His grace. When I was in the eighth grade, um, I had a uh, Appaloosa horse that I just loved. And this horse got out. I was raised on a ranch on Crow Canyon Road. The horse got out on Crow Canyon Road what got hit by a car. My parents were away. No one was home, and I had to take the gun and walk out there. And here's a horse with its legs literally sheared off. It was bloody mess, and the horse is panting. And I knew I had to shoot my horse. But I couldn't. I mean, tears are cry- just down, out, down my face. Traffic is stopped up. I mean, it was crazy, and I could not shoot my horse. And and finally, uh, a cowboy. I remember this guy with a cowboy hat. I'm mean, teared up. He comes around, puts his arm around me, and he says, "Son, son, let me do that." You walk, and I walked. I don't know, 20, 30 feet over there, and I heard the gunshot. Well, a few months later, this farmer. It's a long story. His son, my same age, committed suicide. This farmer found his body in their barn. And he remembered me. And he came to my house. He brought me to his ranch. He brought me into his barn. And he was a wealthy guy. And he showed me in a stall a purebred Arabian colt. And he said, Mark, it's yours. That's grace. Giving me what I do not deserve. See, this is who God is. This is what he longs to do and be in your life. And Paul is saying, not trying to mentor Timothy, Timothy, you've got to be strong in this attribute of God's grace, the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus, watch this, he longs to be gracious to you every single day. I love it right now because there's at least 20 of you wiping the tears away from your eyes. And that's beautiful because God right now is warming your heart with who He is in the essence of His being and how He wants to be in relation to you. And it's so easy to go through life working hard, trying to be strong in our own self, trying to be strong in our own image, trying to be strong at our job, trying to be strong as a mom, or as a dad. It's so hard and we forget that there's a God that longs to be so gracious to us and and Paul is saying, Timothy, this is something you need to know. Now, watch this. Question, how can we become a person who becomes strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? I want to share with you nine things. There are nine principles that play into what it means to be a person who becomes strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. This is just what the Bible teaches. And, and, And so, I'm going to give you these nine principles. Number one, You've got to believe that God is full of grace. If you want to be a person strong, that God's grace is inclined toward you, you've got to believe that this is the character of God, that he is full of grace. Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. This is his character. This is who he is. John 1, 17, in your notes, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus is the embodiment of grace. This is who he is. This is God's character. Second, you've got to receive that grace, receive God's grace. You don't try to earn it. Don't try to earn God's favor. Uh, Ephesians 2.8 9 talks about how our salvation began. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace, Why would we think that continuing in our relationship with God would be any different than based on how it began? Our relationship with God began with grace. So let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian who is trying to earn the favor of God, trying to earn, you know, God's grace? Don't. Just receive God's grace, His favor and kindness. And the Bible warns us about trying to earn the grace of God. Galatians 3, 2 and 3 says, did you receive the Spirit? That means, did you become a Christian by observing the law? I mean, did you become a Christian by working, you know, going to church by some sort of works? No. Or, or," Paul says, by believing what you heard. Yeah, it was grace when you believed by the gospel. That's how you were saved. Then he says, are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Then he says in Galatians 5, 4... You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And watch this. It's easy for Christians to fall away from grace and to start living by the law. And i got to work my way to God to earn his favor. No, 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 no. Receive God's grace. I mean, one of the biggest questions I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven is, why me, Lord? (laughs) Why were you so gracious to me? Why did you save me? I just can't, I'm just i still amazed at that. Why was I chosen? Receive God's grace. Believe God is full of grace. If you want to be, also be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, wonder at God's grace. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That means God saved us. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing his kindness for us who are in Christ Jesus. You know what that verse is telling us? Why were we saved? Why were you saved? Why was I saved? Why did God show us and bring us to himself in salvation? You want to know why? It says here right there. So that in the coming ages, in eternity into the future, it will put God's grace on display. I mean, one day you're going to be in heaven, and maybe you're going to be walking down the streets, and and you're going to be with the Lord, and the Lord's going to go, "Look at Mark over there. Just look at Mark. He's he's in heaven. Yeah, that guy was your pastor. That that's just a miracle. Aren't I so full of grace? And the same thing can be said of you. Why are you saved? You are a trophy of God's grace for all eternity to be displayed. Isn't that amazing? Wonder at God's grace if you want to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Four, rest in God's grace. Now watch this. You and I are going to make so many mistakes. Guess what? All of us are going to sin. If you're a Christian, you're going to sin. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to sin bad. You're not going to be sin bad, but you're going to sin bad. <laughs> but amazingly, God's grace is greater than our greatest sin. Isn't that amazing? That's what Romans 5:20 says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. See, grace is stronger than the greatest sin you'll ever commit. That's amazing. You're right, we don't deserve God's kindness and forgiveness and favor and love, but that's what grace is. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. It's not fair, it's grace. It's kindness. And this is the favor of God. And we've got to watch this, rest in that grace. Some of you hear that and you go, are you kidding me? God is that good? Yes, now rest in that goodness. One of the greatest vacations, you ever play this? If you've been married a long time, you play this, you go, what was our greatest vacation? And we think back of all the years. And Tracy and I, our greatest vacation was when a dear couple in the church allowed us to go to Hawaii and stay in their like, cabin, which was right on the beach. And there was this hammock that was right out on the water between you know, two palm trees. And we would just, we went in this hammock and we would literally just fall asleep there and just be rocked in the wind and hearing the waves. Don't you just want to go to Hawaii right now? I mean, seriously, I'm just like, oh. watch this. To be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus We need to rest in the hammock of God's grace and let that wrap around our entire being and just rock us in the breeze on an amazing beach in Hawaii. And just like, (laughs) you got to just take, you got to rest in that grace. That's the picture. I mean, Hebrews 13.9 says, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. If you want to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, fifth thing, trust God's grace. Now watch this, bad things happen to good people in this sin-cursed world. That's not going to happen in heaven. No bad things are going to happen to anyone when you get to heaven. But bad things, people ever ask you, why do bad things happen? Bad things happen in a sin-cursed world all the time. This is a sin-cursed world, we're not in heaven yet. Just, I mean, come on, it's not that difficult. This is a sin-cursed world, this is not heaven. So someone says to you, why are all these bad, this isn't heaven. And on this, and what's more difficult is on this side of eternity, we're not always going to understand why. Now watch this. Regardless of what you and I will face in this life, we need to trust that God's grace is enough to see us through. And you look at the Apostle Paul. He had a thorn in the flesh, and three times he asked the Lord to take it from him. And then Paul finally got the lesson. He grew in the grace that's in Christ Jesus as well. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so Christ's power may rest on me. Trust God to give you his divine enablement, his power, his grace to see you through whatever is going on in your life right now. That's how you grow strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. I've been reading in my quiet time the book of Job. Uh, lately. Job is a guy that just, a a righteous, God-fearing man who lost everything, lost his family, his entire family, lost his possessions, and he was losing his health. Literally, the skin was falling off his body. And you come to Job chapter 19, and Job says this, and it spoke to me. He said, all this is going on. Job said, I know, despite everything, I know my Redeemer lives. And then he said this, and I know that in my flesh, one day I will see God. And I spoke, I just said, what a man of faith who is strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How else can we be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus? Speak of God's grace. Colossians 4.6 says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Now, you can take that figuratively or literally. If you take it figuratively, that means you speak with gracious words you can take that also literally to mean you should speak when you speak of the doctrine of God's grace. How can I learn to speak of God's grace more? Let me give you a couple thoughts. Picture yourself as the prodigal son. We know the prodigal son. Took his father's inheritance, split, lived wildly, which we do, even as Christians sometimes. We go off on tangents, and then we find ourselves in the pig slop, And finally, he comes to his senses and goes, I'm going to go back to my father. And and what do you you expect uh, the father's going to do? Give him a whooping? Some of us have a picture that that's who God is, but he longs to be gracious to you. And this is what the Bible says. His father saw him and was filled with compassion. That's grace for him. And ran to his son. And back then, you never run to your son. That's an undignified thing to do. God does not care about dignity. When he sees you coming to him, his grace just moves him to hike up his whatever and run to you and put his arms around you and and slay the fatted calf and throw a party for you. That's because he is full of grace. Other times, maybe you need to picture yourself as that gathering demoniac who's living among the tombs. Remember that guy filled with so many demons. We need to think back at how good God has been and then Jesus came and he heals this man and then Jesus said, you go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Think of what God has done, how gracious he's been to our lives, what he saved you out of. That's how we learn to speak of God's grace. Seven, ask for God's grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace. By the way, if you're Christian, God's throne is called not a throne of judgment, but a throne of grace. If you are not a Christian, you are under the judgment of God, and the throne is a place of judgment for you. Jesus took your judgment by going to the cross. And if you believe on Jesus, guess what? His throne for you will be turned into a throne of grace. Something to think about. But for a Christian, the Bible says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You need to ask for God's grace. If you want to be a man or a woman who's strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. James 4.6 says, but he gives us more grace. When you ask for it, Isaiah 30 verse 19 How gracious He will be when you cry for help. As soon as He hears, He will answer you. How else can we stay strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus? Grow in God's grace. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we grow in our knowledge, watch this, of God's grace that's portrayed all through the Bible, we grow in our understanding of grace. And lastly, praise God for His grace. You got to praise the Lord for His grace. Ephesians one six says, "To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves." Do you know what the last verse in the Bible says? You want to know how the Bible closes? It's there. Revelation twenty two twenty one: "The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people." Amen. The Bible ends with a plea for Christians to allow the grace of Jesus Christ to literally envelop your hearts. Wow. The Christian life is not easy. (laughs) If you want to finish the Christian life well, you must become, your mentor is telling you, a man or a woman who is strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that can become a reality in your life as these nine things guide you receive God's grace, wonder at God's grace, rest in God's grace, trust in God's grace, speak of God's grace, ask for God's grace, grow in God's grace, and praise God for His grace. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, I want you to talk about this before we move into the second priority. Of the nine ways to grow strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, which one was just most helpful for you? You're like, I need to focus on that one truth to help me grow deeper in the grace that's in Christ. Talk about that. Okay, priority one, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Priority number two is this, be strategic in ministry. Be strategic in ministry. Now repeat after me, I am a minister. That's true. You are a minister. Now watch this. Not every Christian is a pastor, but every Christian is a minister. Ministry is simply giving away to others what God has given to you. That's what ministry is. It's giving away to others what God has given to you. Now, let me ask you a question. What is it that you have received that you are called to give away? That is your ministry. God does not call you to give away something you have not received, but he's given you certain things. They're called gifts, and you're called to give those away, and that's ministry. So has God given you teaching? Is that like an ability and a gift? Has He given you greeting, or parenting, or grandparenting, or evangelism, or is it financial contribution, or is it missions, or is it encouraging? What's the Lord given you? Is it mercy? Is it kindness? Is it helping? Now watch this. There are two extreme ways to do ministry. You can do ministry selfishly, or you can do ministry strategically. Paul is our mentor. He's mentoring us. And he's revealing to Timothy and he's revealing to us one of the most strategic principles for effective ministry. If you study the life of Jesus, Jesus completely modeled this principle. If you study the life of Paul, Paul completely modeled this principle. We need to model this principle as well. Now, let me state the principle in a number of different ways. Don't just do ministry yourself. That's selfish. Teach others how to do it. That is strategic. Don't just teach, teach others how to teach. Don't just serve others, teach others how to serve others. Don't just be a parent, teach your kids and others to be a parent. Don't just do evangelism, teach others how to to do evangelism. And you put whatever fill in the blank you want there. In other words, make it your goal to multiply yourself and your ministry that God's given you in others. Now, let's talk about Timothy for for a moment. Timothy was a pastor, and one of the critical roles of his ministry that he had been gifted with is teaching. And Paul was saying to Timothy, Timothy, don't just teach. Pour your life into certain reliable men and then give them the opportunity to teach others. In other words, multiply your ministry of teaching in and through others. Look at chapter 2 and verse 2, Second Timothy. This is what Paul says, and the things you have heard me say, my teaching, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. See that word entrust? It's paratithemi. In the Greek, and it literally means to give something of value to another for safekeeping. Like if I were to take my cell phone and give it to you for safe keeping, but I don't trust you. No, I'm just joking. You can have it. I'm giving him something of value for safe keeping, okay? Who knows what's going to happen? I'm going to keep an eye on that, okay? And that's what you want to do. You want to keep an eye on things when you give something of value to someone. Now, Timothy wasn't called to entrust, watch this, the valuable things he received from Paul, the teaching of God's word from Paul, and he was called to pass it on to other reliable men who would also teach others. And Timothy, in this verse, was called to look for two qualities in others before he would pass on to them some, the, the gift of teaching or the, the content of teaching. Timothy was called to look for reliable men. And the Greek word is pistos. It literally means faithful ones, those that are consistent, and also men who are able to teach, men who had the gift of teaching, the ability to teach. Now, here's the principle. Ministry should always involve reproduction or multiplication, always. And you reproduce yourself and you multiply yourself, watch this, through people who are faithful and people who have the gift that you have, you want to find the, I know so many people who are incredibly, um, uh, incredibly intelligent and have this amazing, I think, opportunity to be amazing teachers, but they're just not faithful. There's not around. And then I know people that want to teach, but they don't have the gift. I'm not called to invest in them. I'm called to invest my life into people, and so are you, who are faithful, who are around, and also have the gift of, say, teaching or whatever else it might be. Timothy was to take what he had learned from Paul, the Word of God, and he was to pass it along to other reliable, faithful men who would then pass it along to the next generation. So the ministry went from Paul to Timothy to other faithful men and then to others. We're talking four generations. This process of spiritual reproduction, which began with Jesus, and the early church is to characterize the church until Jesus Christ returns. Paul is talking to Timothy about the careful, systematic training of church leaders who will teach and disciple other believers in the fullness of God's Word. And this is what three crosses as a church does, whether you realize it or not. I think many of you realize it. On a pastoral level, we typically always hire from within our church. Why? Because we're always training up the next generation of preachers or teachers, always. And watch this. This is to happen, this principle of multiplication with every area of ministry, not just pastoral ministry. Every area of ministry at our church, whether it's greeters or ushers or Sunday school teachers or traffic or what, it does not matter, should always involve reproduction or multiplication with faithful and able ministers. We're called to reproduce ourselves and others. Pass on the torch, so to speak. Now, let me illustrate this uh, in a couple places. I want you just to see it. It's all through the Bible. Take your Bibles and go back to the book of Exodus for a little bit. Go to Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, second book in the Bible, and go to chapter 18. You should see this with your own eyes if you have a Bible. Now, here we have. Moses. And he's literally in the wilderness with a million Israelites. And we pick it up in chapter 18, verse 1. Now, Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people, Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. So, you've got Moses' son-in-law making a trip. His name's Jethro to see Moses and pick, go to verse 13. This is what Jethro observes. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge. And Jethro's watching this. So Moses gets a seat, you know, a chair. And he gets this, and he's serving as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father in law saw all that Moses was doing in the, to the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? See, he's doing ministry selfishly while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will whenever they have a dispute. It is brought to me, and I decide between the parties. I decide, see, selfish, and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Uh, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. I mean, you're going to get burned out. You're going to burn the people out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me, and I'll tell you what, give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them the decrees and laws, show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men. Here it is. Find capable, faithful, godly men from the people, men who hate dishonest gain. And appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide on themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share the burden with you. If you do this, and as God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all the people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law. Wow. See, it's so tempting to do ministry alone. That's selfish. That's not strategic. Bring others in, train them. Wow. Now, Jesus did the same thing. And you know, one more. Look to Mark chapter 3. Just go to the New Testament now. Mark chapter 3. And you look at verse 13. This is Jesus calling his disciples. Jesus went up on the mountainside (coughs) and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. And he pointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might watch this send them out to preach. And to have authority to drive out demons, in other words, to do what he was doing. Now, I want you to notice on your outline, five steps of Christ-like multiplication for any area of ministry. It doesn't matter your area of ministry. These are the five steps that Jesus used for reproducing himself and others that led to the greatest movement on the planet Earth. There are 2.3 billion Christians on this planet And it all came from multiplication. And this is what Jesus did. This is how five steps from multiplying yourself into others. Number one, I do, you watch, we talk. That's where it started. Jesus said, okay, guys, I want to teach you how to preach. I'm going to do it. You just watch me, and then we'll talk. We'll get away, and we'll talk. Number two, I do... You help me a little bit. I'm just going to give you a little bit to do, and then we're going to talk about it. And you see this with the disciples all the time. Jesus will give them a little bit. He'll train them. He'll teach them. Uh, watch me. And then he gives them a little bit to do, and then they discuss. Number three, you do now. I help a little bit, and then we talk. But you're primarily doing most of it, but I'm watching, and I'm doing some of it, and then we talk. Step number four, you do. I only watch now, and then we talk. And then the last step, you do, someone else watches, and I'm out of the picture, and this is how reproduction takes place to the next generation. In January of this year, I'm out preaching in China and in Nepal. And here in Home Builders, we have four couples that are teaching the Word of God here. So wonderful that I could go away and just go, not a care in my heart. What's the point? The point is this. Be strategic in ministry by multiplying yourself and your ministry in others and through others. So let me ask you a few questions right now. This is going to measure how strategic you are as a minister. Who are you training? Hmm. Who are you pouring your life into? Whose hands are you entrusting the treasure, the methods, the know-how of your ministry into? You have to know the reason why, in part, we started Life Transformation Seminars is because I just know as a pastor, my call is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And I can try to do that myself, and I can do that one-on-one, which I do, or we can do created an entire seminar series that literally will allow now 3,000 people to have come through it so that they in turn can do its training. And we do this everywhere. These are just a couple examples, and you do this as well, but this is the point. We're called to do this strategically more and more and more. And the incredible thing is this, if it, God, just think of what God wants to do in your life and in your ministry if you learn to do this better. Question, what does Campus Crusade for Christ founder Bill Bright and Navigator's founder Dawson Trotman have in common? The answer is a Sunday school teacher named Henrietta Mears. Henrietta faithfully taught Sunday school for four decades at First Presbyterian Church in Hollywood, who attended her Sunday school. Hundreds of kids, but two kids in particular named Bill Bright and Dawson Trotman. Now, let's just talk about Bo Bright, because for time's sake. Bo Bright started a ministry called, does anyone know what it's called? Campus Crusade for Christ, also known today as CRU. At last count, CRU has 20,000 full-time staff, plus 663,000 trained volunteers in 181 countries around the world. An estimated 3.4 billion people Have heard the gospel through crew the point is this you may not influence millions of people yourself but maybe god wants you to influence one person who will influence millions of people you may, may be parenting you may be coaching you may be mentoring the next bill bright so pour into that individual it's wise it's great stewardship And it's very strategic. And this is what Paul was passing on to Timothy. Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of reliable men pass on to others who are qualified to teach others. Beware of doing ministry alone, selfishly. For those of you on our ministry team, you hear me preach this constantly, constantly, constantly. If you look on the back of your Home Builders, you know, page, it's got all of our ministry leaders here in Home Builders, which they're amazing people. And I love the fact that they're always inviting others into the ministry. That's how we are to be doing ministry. You do ministry that way. You will be strategic. You'll multiply yourself and your ministry and others. It leads to productivity in ministry. I'd like you to talk about this for a few minutes at your table. How might the Lord be leading you to do ministry more strategically? Talk about that. Okay. Again, I have great news for you. You're not alone. You're not walking through life all alone. Yes, you have the Lord. You have His presence in your life through the Holy Spirit. But on top of it all, you've got a mentor. You've got the Apostle Paul that's given you this incredible book, this advice. And like a great, amazing coach, he's putting his arm around you and he's saying, Hey, listen, you want to finish well in this Christian life? I mean, you want to make it to the end? I don't think there's anyone here that just likes, wants to wash out, you know? And, and Paul is saying this. Paul finished well, man. We're going to read about it in a little bit. But eventually, he is executed in prison there in Rome. But he finished well. An incredible life he lived. And, and Paul's just saying, Timothy, you're going to face so many challenges. And the Christian life is challenging. It really is. And if you're going to, if you're going to really make it, you've got to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. you just got to be strong. You do that, that will give you power in your Christian life. But you start working for God's favor and you lose sight of who He is. Those nine things we talked about are so important for us to bathe ourselves in so we understand that God longs to be gracious to me every single morning when I wake up, at lunch, you know, in the evening, when I go to bed, this is what He longs for us to live in His grace. And some of us just have to go easier on ourselves. We are our worst critic. We just beat ourselves up. And the Lord is saying, "Why, why are you doing that? I love you. I understand. Rest in my love like that hammock. Let it just sway you back and forth that I am so full of grace. And you'll find so much peace there. You'll find power as you Become a Christian who grows strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says, secondly, that grace is given to you, Timothy, so you can be strategic in ministry and you have certain gifts. Don't keep those to yourself. Find men or women who are faithful but who have that similar gift to you. If you're like here and you lead our our greeters ministry, here's Joe. You find people who are faithful to this church and who are friendly. You invest your lives in them, and you raise up a team of greeters because you're going to multiply your gift of greeting to 30, 40, 50 people. That's how ministry happens. I look at Susie over there, an incredible writer. I look at Dan over there, amazing with videos. Dan and Susie and the rest of us, Dan and Susies. Take that gift and don't just selfishly use it pour it into others. Multiply yourself into others. Pass the baton on to the next generation. Here's the game changer challenge. What might God do if you choose to grow stronger in grace and more strategic in ministry? Think about that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these two priorities. You've spoken, and Lord, we hear this, and we realize that the Christian life is a challenge. We can get knocked off course, and we realize we need to be strong in your grace. And maybe you would just take a moment to talk to God about that. Maybe you have just been trying to work for His favor. I don't know. And you're just like, Lord, I need to get in that hammock and just let you rock me in your grace and your love and your compassion like that prodigal, I'm coming back and I think you're not going to accept me. And, and here you are with your arms open wide and you just want to love me. I need to be strong in that type of a relationship with God because this is who you truly are. And would you just say, Lord, make me stronger in that grace that's in Christ. you also say, Lord, thank you for the gifts and the abilities that you've given me, and I want to be more strategic in passing these along to others, but I need your help. I need your help in identify who those others should be, bring them to my mind, bring them into my life, and then would you give me the grace and the know-how to train others, to pass the baton on to those individuals so that this gifting and expertise you've given me can be passed on to the next generation. I, 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 I want to be strong in your grace. I want to be strategic in ministry because, boy, I could be parenting or mentoring or coaching the next Bill Bright and, and impacting literally millions. So help me not to drop the ball, Lord. In your grace, I just need your strength, your wisdom, your guidance. Thank you for hearing the prayers of your people, Lord. Bless now, we pray. Everyone said?